Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Shit bowling ideas back and forth. Hippie science. Right. right. It's not science science. It's almost like I'm trying to call for just people to just be better. That we could have some kind of study on these type of Her mother was on board, I guess. Of course yeah. she was. She got pretty and... on board and didn't have to fuck the man to do it. <laughs> Our devil's advocate type stance here. See you Jessica. And you're Seth. And this is the Hippie Science Variety Hour. And what are we going to be talking about today? Finding meaning in life. Ooh, finding meaning in life. Just jumping right into the deep end of the pool, huh? Well, you've been in the deep end forever. I live in the deep end. Yeah, I've I've treaded in the deep end for a little while. But, you know, nothing on you. I do have ten years on you. Ten whole years. Ten whole years. A lot happens in ten years. Quite a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, your, your sort of... Um, journey right not to sound too say it all woo woo like your journey your your journey even do the air quotes man screw you um but really so you've you've had um kind of an episodic life yeah right um since i've known you you when i first met you you sort of you were in a place where you kind of felt like you had fallen off your path. I felt like I'd lost me completely. Not even just my path. Like, I'd lost even who I was. Let a, like, there was no you are here button on the map of my life. There was just a blank slate. Like, I didn't even know where I was. The map was gone and everything? Yeah, everything was just gone. Right. So, over the last year, I would say heavily, heavily over the last year, you've sort of done this cool thing of getting out of those weeds. Yeah. Right. I remember one night we were, we were all like just sitting around in the floor, your brother's room and you had a notebook or something just trying to figure out what it is you could do with your life in the state you were in. Yeah. And that's a, that's a common problem with people in your situation, you know, you, you guys, you know, you have a life you're living, you have goals that they're driving toward, and then you get sick, or you get sick again, and it sort of knocks you off the path, in your case, knocks you completely off the map. Yeah, completely did. I mean, I felt like I had, so since being sick, since I was really young with Every various health condition and letter variation you can come up with. Um, It's been this journey of having to reinvent what gave me meaning and purpose. To have to... Because I was always derailed constantly by my health. So it didn't matter what plans I had in action or even had dreams or whatever... It always got derailed and I had to figure out something that, and that brought us to that night in my brother's room where I needed to figure out something that I could do despite whatever my body was going through. Right. And you really, you were really hung up on that. Yeah. Um, and you had fallen into sort of the, the trap that we've discussed a lot lately. 
where you you had lost you know all the all the work that you had done to and and you were you were trying to find meaning in you know in your work right right um and then you spent a lot of time trying to see the meaning in what you're going through right right like what you were supposed to be doing with your illness right and i think there was a quite a period there where you fell into that sort of classic all this suffering has to mean something yeah and i struggled with coming to grips with either deciding to find meaning in the suffering like there was my life had meaning because i suffered or if I was going to find the meaning and depth of purpose through the suffering. Like I and was going to allow that to deepen myself rather than drawing from it. Right. And that's where you that's where you landed, right? Yeah. And since we've been researching this episode, that's sort of the the through line that we found, right? Um not finding meaning in your suffering finding meaning through it right and that's applicable to lots of parts of life it really is so many people when you know i've, I've had this issue too where you know you see it a lot in college graduates where you can't find the job that's supposed to be the meaningful job mm-hmm. right and you end up just taking whatever you can get and a lot of people feel lost and they think they've got to get out of there as soon as possible because this isn't the job. This isn't the meaningful job. You know, for me, a lot of it was like, well, I'm not doing direct medical research. Right. Or I'm not doing actual patient care because right. I didn't go to med school like I had planned to do forever. Um, yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at a certain point you realize you should be looking for meaning in what you're doing, in whatever it is, rather than... And it doesn't have to be job-oriented. And it doesn't have to be job-oriented. And it wasn't job-oriented for you for a No, not at all. I mean, as it started out was, I didn't... I felt like I was losing my voice, so just as you see anything, you kind of get that resurgent of will to live... Right. And I felt like I was losing my voice. So I had that resurgent of, oh, no, I'm going to be heard. I feel like I'm losing it. I feel like I've lost. A lot of it was to find myself, too. Right. I didn't know how to make sense of all of these different pieces that were going on. And I couldn't, in the state of mind that my mind was in at the time with all the disease and inflammation and everything. I just couldn't process it to like within myself. Right. And something I've seen in you is so for a long time, you were looking for that meaning in your suffering. Why am I going through this? What does this mean? You know, that type of thing until you eventually realize that sort of, powerful meaning behind taking control of it right and really um expressing your meaning through improving yourself 
I kind of came to an epiphany, and this is not, please nobody take this that I'm knocking religion, but I've spoke with other patients like me and people like me, and they have gone through the same thing where they were brought up strongly religious. And you're programmed to think this God only gives the hardest battles to his strongest soldiers and you're meant to go through this to help somebody else later on down the road and things like that. And what I realized in that moment was with all of those, I'm giving all of my power away. I talked about this on an episode of Lime Voice. Some of our listeners might have heard with Sarah because we both... um, Because we both have experienced it where you have to become bigger than anything else you've ever put your faith, hope, and trust in and decide that it's going to come from you and that I'm going to make this mean something. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and see if this works. Exactly. So when you took it by the horn, sort of, right? If I don't know if that's the way you... You know, uh, we can coin it that way. It's it. fine. What's that? We can coin it that way. It's fine. Y- yeah. So you, you sort of took your own illness by the horns. Yeah. Um, and when you did that, you lost the sort of uh, victim mentality. I let it stop scaring me. Right. You let it stop scaring you. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, the change in you was palpable. Really? Like the the. Complete. We've never talked about this part before, so this is pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, the entire energy around you was different. Hmm. Because you obviously felt very defeated before that. Very. And when you were looking at this, what am I supposed to gain within myself from this suffering? Mm-hmm. You you just weren't getting anywhere. No, You were wasn't. running into walls constantly. Yeah. And when I changed it to... How can I improve myself through this? And how can I deepen my passions and explore other avenues of myself through it? Using it as fuel to do it. Because I was so sick and had the time on my hands. And why not delve in into what we, you know, we started calling what to do with the year of healing. That was my whole thing. And when I decided that it wasn't even a decision almost in a way it was, it was a decision to start and change that mindset and actually start into implementing these things. Mm -hmm. But everything that came of it came real natural. Once I opened myself up to that stuff, it was just, like it, I'd been doing it, it my whole happened. life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the opportunities started opening. Yeah. You know, I sort of had the same thing. Yeah. Where, you know, I was going through a period, um, like I was saying earlier, like a lot of other college uh, graduates do. I got out of school. I couldn't find this great, meaningful job. And, you know, I sort of was just wasting away. I ended up working in a store, you know, not utilizing any of my education mm-hmm. the, the only other person who worked there was someone who hadn't graduated college and I was very upset by that right I had done all this work I would spent all this money and I just thought I was wasted 
You know, I thought all my potential was wasted. I thought I was never going to get out of there. It's really and, a common thread because if I could say anything about it, especially getting sucked back in after being in remission, um, because that was kind of, I was able to go back to college and all of that. And then I felt like I was wasted because there was nothing that I could do to change it. That was the only opportunities, even if it wasn't an opportunistic it's not opportunistic to get sick by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. <clears throat> but at the same time, I chose to use it in that fashion to make something that wasn't presented in a betterment sort of way. I had to choose to do that just like you had to. Right. And there and was even- a point where I had to sort of realize what I was doing. You know, I realized I was letting myself waste away. There was there was this weird night in this um it was at at the new year of um my family had gone somewhere for the holidays and right it was it was maybe new year's eve and i couldn't sleep that night and i think i was listening to some song and all of a sudden i just realized that i'm i'm wasting my life like i'm a young person i've still got all this other stuff i can do even if it's not just the exact thing I thought I was going to be doing. Right. And I started with myself, which I think is critical for everyone. So just like you did, you start not looking at your situation as what's holding you back, but looking at your situation as the avenue to put yourself on a track that will raise your sense of self up high enough your sense of self high enough, right? Because at that time, my esteem was through the floor. Oh, like yours was, was when you first started yeah. um, <clears throat> being sick again. So once I decided I was going to make my life worth living, everything changed. Radically. Well, yeah, you changed the whole conversation in your head when you... I mean, every single thing changes about that. The conversation you're having with yourself, that internal dialogue, your actions are going to change. That's a huge decision that when you decide, I'm going to make this happen. Right. So I think the emerging theme here is not looking for the external things, right? The, the meaning doesn't the, come from the external. Yeah, not looking for the your meaning in the situation. Right. So through you using this year, you you were able to make yourself into a person who has now been able to go on and do the the work, the meaningful type of work that you were wanting to do before. Really wanting to. Yeah, it's gotten really exciting that within Within a year and a half, I've gone from just writing this stupid little blog to actually getting opportunities that I never really even thought were possible, but suit me perfectly. Right. And the the problem lots of people run into, I think, they their motivations are just off. Right. right? They're, they're chasing something rather than generating something. Right. And I, a lot of my focus wasn't on, I didn't know where the end goal was. 
I have right. no clue. I still don't know. I know where I would like it to go, and I have dreams and visions now for it. But when it comes down to it, I don't know. And when I was able to just shift from having a plan of a course of action to a plan to better myself, it changed the whole game. Exactly. And there there are a lot of people. There was that one TED Talk we watched with um, Paul, Paul Joseph Watson, Watson mm-hmm. where he talked about this same sort of issue where at the end of the day his goal was to get attention right right and i think you see that a lot in people now you do with with social media so many people they they find their meaning in life from feeling heard um it leads to a lot of attention seeking type behavior online and in real life you know they so many people are wrecking god knows how many relationships just so that they can get their you know daily little dose of attention right and in the ted talk he talked about what he started doing was basically putting all his energy into improving the way that he did his art yeah improving himself so that his art would be better and that's sort of the meaning that he found right he found that in making himself better he was much more rewarded by it. It's almost that the meaning and the purpose and the fulfillment is not in the end product. It's in the act of doing it. I think that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting process, for sure. And, I mean, there there are little steps people can take to, to do that, right? First, you've certainly got to sort of take an inventory of what you're doing. And be right. honest with yourself of what you're physically capable of doing and for, financially capable. Yeah, for capable. people like you, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was much less like that for me. Right. One, I mean, one way that I did um, sort of gain that control back in my life was getting physically into shape because I'd really let myself go. Yeah. During that time when I was just down in the dumps. I had as well. Yeah. I, I wasn't even trying. Uh, you know, I, I gained a ton of weight. I was just living in unhealthy habits. Yeah. And just making the choice, right? Now, physical limitations are a huge deal. Yeah, they are. In in your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are the, what are the things that you did to sort of boost yourself up with those physical limitations? I just accepted them. I knew that they were going to pass because they have before and as much as and as bad as they sucked I always reminded myself it was going to get better right and I know that sounds so cliche but in my life it had gotten better before so I could even remind myself there was one day that you actually did wake up and you didn't feel bad right so there was and it wasn't that long ago for me then. And it's still not now. I mean, and the incline in my health has been great. But just reminding myself that bad times pass too. You know, just like those good times and the, the moments in my life that I put up on this pedestal of my 
peak mental health, peak physical condition, what have you, you know, the most quote unquote on track in my life, those moments pass too. So the bad ones are just as well. So the physical limitations, I knew that it was eventually going to be okay or I was going to die. Right. Well, there so either those, way, it was going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, there certainly are those people. Right. There are some people who won't get better. That is true. Some people whose physical limitations won't leave them. Yeah. Right. But the things that you did, um, by recognizing your physical limitations, you were able to look for other things that you could do. And I did. I just did things differently, too. Right. <clears throat> it was more calculated. Like, if I... Um, needed to even just clean my room okay something that doesn't seem like that big of a daunting of a task you got a pretty big room it yeah it is <laughs> with with those cats running everywhere the it, sick it ant in the attic to me do what it would seem a little <clears throat> it would seem a little daunting to me it is yeah so something like that i became so calculated that i'd have a whole course of plan to limit my physical exertion so there would be a complete sweep for, um, like, say if I was cleaning, ta- like, really doing a cleaning, I would go one level at a time so there's not a lot of bending and stooping because right. that's really hard for me and I would get real lightheaded. So everything would be done at one level. The next time I would sit in my computer chair if I had to, sit on my walker, do everything at that level. By the time I'm done with it, I'm crawling on the floor, picking up little pieces but I haven't exerted myself going from the up and down. So it was just a more calculated way that a healthy person would just go in there and clean up. They wouldn't even think about that. But I just had to accept those physical limitations, not dog myself for them, which was a huge battle, huge battle to wage. Um, And I still get down on myself about it. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But accepting them and then figuring out how I can adapt to them was really nice. And then also I've just, in my life, I've had to accept that certain things just won't happen for me. Right. Well, there's, so the cleaning your room thing is interesting, right? Because we've we've talked a lot of times about how the things that drag you down, right? The things that sort of make you feel like you've lost your worth and sort of make you feel like you can't find your sense of purpose or something, right? You get so bogged down in all of the sort of noise around it that you, you're you distracted. It's that sort of uh, death by a thousand cuts we've talked about, Yeah. right? So if you're someone who sees that you have a dirty room and it just makes you go on this thing of like, oh, I'm such a slob, mm-hmm. Um even if you don't have the capacity for the physical ex- <clears throat> for the physical exertion like you you by taking the steps to even do it incrementally yeah you are healing one of those cuts you really are it's um we we talked about it earlier today off mic uh that sort of being on the upswing is almost better than being at the destination. It feels better. Yeah. It's exciting. The, yeah. And the journey sort of is the destination. It really is. You, you should set goals, but a lot of things that people don't really talk about 
are how once you reach those goals, you should always have another goal. Right. Right. And you don't have to have a planned out, though. Like, no. these things that have happened, <clears throat> the great things that, like, we've seen in some of the TED Talks and even um, some of the Rogan cast that we've been talking about with, like, Black Keys and Rob Zombie, um, it's a common sentiment to not feel like you're adequate, to feel right. like you're faking it. Yeah, Everybody feels like this say that again everybody feels like that like even the people you admire and think man if i was on that level i'd really have it together yeah they don't think they don't have it together because they're just people like everyone else right nobody knows what the hell they're doing yeah that's i mean it's it's really crazy when all the times we've talked about the parallels between the stuff that we were going through right obviously yours are severe in a way that most people don't ever have to deal with. Yeah. But the sort of universality of never quite feeling like you are getting it right is just very weird. Yeah, it is. That self-doubt can get real thick. It really and, is. And it can cloud you from finding the joy in anything. Yeah, that's why I think, you know taking real steps to start you know repairing those little cuts yeah right so another thing i would do right um i I started doing that when i was in a situation where you know i was really down and i was very unsuccessful i was you know my room my room was dirty all the time Mm -hmm. and i got up i started cleaning my room every day um i started making my bed then Whenever I would go out in public, I decided, okay, every time you go out in public, um, you know, every time you take a run to the store in the small town, you're going to run into someone you went to high school with, you know, and... So don't look like trash. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to look all disheveled. No, you don't. Especially in that state. Right. Right. When you got nothing else going on in your life. When you, when you feel the most like a loser, you don't need to look like it too. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's just, that. it's, it's going to hit so hard. Right. When they see you and they're like, so what have you got going on? And you're wearing sweatpants With and barbecue your hair's sauce all messed on up <laughs> and you look terrible. Yeah. You, you, you just don't want that. You don't. It, and it, it hurts you in a way that's much more profound than most people get credit for, I think. Well, I mean, it's obviously something that's ingrained in your mind that even to this day, that's a... You can tell by how you're talking about it. There's still a, you can see what you're wearing in your mind's eye. Like, it feels like you have a specific moment in which something like that happened. Yeah, really. How long was it before I started coming over to your house comfortably? About as long as it took for me to start dressing comfortably. Yeah. Other than when I was really sick, which that doesn't count. If you're having seizure, nobody expects you to look good. But once that stage passed, I mean, I still, I was wearing makeup and all that. Now, show up, we're both in PJs and like, hey man. Yeah, pretty much every time I come over here, I'm a little disheveled because I got up and just came right over. Yeah. Um, But I, I still won't do that if I'm going out in public and I know I'm going out in public. No, even if we just get... Uh, lunch in town, we both make sure that we look decent. 
Yeah, and it makes a huge difference. It it's does. It's a self-esteem thing. It is. It's a self-respect thing, sort of. I do. I like it better as self-respect. Yeah. Because it does, like how I've told, uh, joked with you about your diet. Right. That you're worth more than a Crystal's burger. Yeah. <laughs> you need to love yourself more than a dollar hamburger. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you feel so much better, both mentally and physically. Right, you do. When you're when, when you're eating better, you know you're taking care of yourself. You know you're paying yourself some respect. And it feels like you mentally and cognitively, you fire more rapidly. At least I do, personally. I mean, I'd say that's true. If my diet's on point. I mean, you point. feel tired yeah. when you're eating trash. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, a little trash from time to time is just delicious. From time to time. Don't make it your staple. Okay. Um, talking as someone that doesn't really cheat on a diet, I am such a stickler for it. Well... I mean, you firmly believe you throw up from eating cheese. I firmly believe cheese is my kryptonite. Yeah, and I'm just gonna let you have that one. That would be a good chart. A good shirt. Cheese, cheese is, is my kryptonite. kryptonite. Let's make one and only wear it yourself. <laughs> you, you even you try to stop your nephews from eating cheese now. I do. I got him to start calling it um, curdled cow boob juice. Delicious curdled cow boob juice. That's what Drake said. Yep. He's like, yeah, it's delicious. It is delicious. And I look, just miss it. I'm just salty because I miss cheese. That's exactly it. It's the, what it boils down to. But it holds true. You feel better about yourself because you are not eating things that you know make you feel bad. Right. I and mean, I know you that- feel physically better and your self-esteem is higher because you're showing yourself the respect of eating things that you know aren't going to make you feel like, you know, terrible. It helps my false sense of control, too. Yeah. Really, I mean, that's a mental illness, and I know that. But it really does help it where I know I'm not putting those things in my body that are going to feed the disease or feed inflammation. So I feel like I'm already doing so much. Why not do that, too? Yeah. You know? I, no, I I completely agree. I know I take it excessive. It's a little excessive. I know. But it has also... But it has its perks. Uh, Yeah, perks. Not perks. Perks like cauliflower pizza. <laughs> that stuff was great. That stuff's amazing. And we would have maybe <clears throat> never tried the Thai place if I had not been on this diet. Could you imagine that? I wanted to try it anyway. I mean, I, it was on my radar, but it really got on my radar when I realized I could eat almost everything. Right. And that place is life-changing. Yeah, it is. Magic little place. It really is. But getting back... <laughs> getting right, back on it. Getting off Thai food. Yeah. Um, I do think this is this is the thing that plagues a lot of people in your community. It really does. Um, and that's what I, I would really, really love to just see people addressing that. So there's this really cool challenge they can get involved with. Really? Yeah, it's through the Mighty. I just thought of it. It is starts around December. I don't know the official start date. I've been involved with it for, I think this will be my second, third year. Yeah. I can't remember. <clears throat> but I'll link, we'll link it in the show notes. But it's 52 small steps. 
And what you do is you sit down with a piece of paper and write out 52 things. 52, it can be books that you want to read, um, like kind of how I did for the year. Right. Where I did the year of healing, what I put, any books I wanted to read, um, if there was any art thing, because I'm artsy and crafty. I learned how to pour organite, um, made candles, learned how to make perfumes and body scrubs, all kinds of hippy-dippy stuff. But, um, so the Mighty does an official challenge of 52 weeks and you write out your 52 small things and you participate with the community and update what small thing you did and kind of rally together to see what each other's doing. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it does. For everyone. It does. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it would be a, I'll do it again this year. Right. And there was that thing, there was that thing I was doing a little while ago that was sort of, um just weekly meditations on things yeah like um you know you take a week where you say every single day i'm going to do this one thing yeah right and you set it realistically so that you know that day you will not go to bed before you do that thing yeah and by the end of that week just seven days of setting little tasks for yourself that no no matter how trivial they are i remember one day there was a day i knew i would be very busy and all my task was was to sort of organize all the junk that i had on my nightstand and it was shockingly uh what's the word um grueling not grueling not grueling at all it was very easy yeah it something about my nightstand not being cluttered made my mornings better okay i get that right um felt like you had some order to your chaos exactly got it yeah Yeah. so little things like that they they affect you in you know strangely large ways they do have you ever read that book um atomic habits no so he talks a lot about that um a lot of the self-help guys do to start with small tasks like making your bed something that simple you know, making sure that you have a skincare routine that you follow, or if it's a daily meditation, or you're going to stretch for 10 minutes, whatever, whatever your thing is, it can be something as simple as reading three pages in a book. It doesn't have to be anything astronomical. It's just make these small commitments and follow through with them every single time. Yeah. And following through with them and knowing that you're a person who follows through with what you say you're going to do makes a huge difference. It makes the next task easier, too. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, Making it... There's, um... Who is it? Um... He's he's some podcaster. Joe Rogan's really into him. He sort of talks about freedom and discipline, where you know... It's not even a choice. This guy gets up at, like, 4.30 in the morning Mm -hmm. every day and goes and works out. And he says it's not hard, because at 4.30 in the morning... He's getting up. There's no choice. Yeah. It's just, That's I'm what doing you do. this. Yeah. And if you listen to him talk, he says that's freeing. That's how right? I was when I worked out and everything. Before class, I'd go in the morning. I would wake up at 4.30. By 5 o'clock, I'm in the gym. And you would think when you have something that's scheduled, that it would be confining, especially to someone like me that doesn't like structure like that. Right. But to have that 
allotted time that was just for me was really freeing to be able to not only have that appointment with myself, but to keep it and know that I was doing it for the betterment of me. Right. It was just, it was good on top of good, on top of good, on top of good, you know? Yeah. And, you know, uh, we are both really into meditation. Yeah, we are. Right. We've never, I don't, I don't think we talked about it at all on the show yet. No, we haven't. That was one of our practice episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd really, really like to stress how much good that can do for a person. Yeah, it does. Because it just, it provides the sort of clarity of mind that lets you see the little things that are holding you back, kind of. And and to let go of some of those big burdens and that we're carrying around right just the general release of the stress from sitting down and meditating for 20 minutes i mean it it's it's a real game changer so you know what it reminds me of what you know those old coke commercials where they crack the coke and it's coke that's meditation that's the you need in your life it kind of is it really is it's that side, that release of pressure in a positive way where it's just, oh, okay, I can handle the bullshit now. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And I think it really it really helps in situations like, um, you know, say you've given yourself a list of things to do and half of them you really just don't want to do. Yeah. Right? Um, if, if you're meditating regularly and you've trained your brain that way, you're much more likely to just be going down that list and saying, okay, I've got to do this thing. I've got to do this thing. I've got to do this thing. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be, I've got to do this thing. Oh my God. I really don't want to go do this thing. Well, it clears you know? out, meditating clears out all of that static. That Those junky sort of thoughts. Yeah. Right? The junk thoughts. They it's, totally do. Yeah. Because you see, you see that rising. Yeah, you do. Right? You see that. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I just, I just really don't want to have to go, you know, take out the trash or yeah. whatever it is, you know. I mean, that's a very trivial one that way too many people seem to get hung up on. Yeah. Right. Or uh, clean the cat box. Oh. Oh yeah, the litter box. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. You don't want to do it, but if you're if you're not really even giving yourself that that moment of, uh I really just don't feel like doing this when when you're operating from a place with a clarity of mind saying these things need to be done. I'm going to go do them. Uh, and then they're done. And it you doesn't feel take as much time times better. If and, you just you accept it, it and faster. do it. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's it's a great thing. Meditation, too, played a big role in me finding meaning lately because it was able to take out all of those other distractions I was able to silence all of those different life path scenarios that I had planned out in my mind over the last whatever years right you know those different courses that we could life courses that we could imagine ourselves taking it was I was able to put all of those out and then stumbled upon something that I would have never imagined doing exactly and it's very weird because it sounds like it's sort of restrictive, right? It 
it doesn't let as much in. Yeah. And if you're someone who, like me, I used to find inspiration for writing music and poetry and that sort of stuff in a lot of things, right? Just my random, you know, thought wandering self, I'd pull a thought out of nowhere Mm -hmm. that, you know, was good for, you know, the start of a line in a poem that I could work off of. Yeah. Right. And then once I started meditating, I realized, because I was worried about that specifically, when I started meditating and I heard about all of this, I was worried that with my mind wandering less, I was going to get less new ideas. But what wound up happening is that I started just getting good ideas. Yeah. Like the good ones still shone through. They weren't bogged down. And do you feel like they were different than you would have found otherwise? Like, instead of those almost pre-programmed pathways where your your psyche's programmed to come, you know, to lean this to the left in this situation or to lean more towards the emotional, less towards the emotional, meditation kind of cleans the you off of it. Right. So that the inner essence can rise to the top that's so a that great way to put get it the meat of it you know the good parts yes and that's a perfect way to put it it really it cleans the you off of it yeah it does um if it's something like you know you want to write a book maybe mm-hmm. um and then you start thinking about man this is going to take so much time it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be devastating day after day because every time I sit down and I put, you know, eight hours into writing something and then I get up and I hate half of it mm-hmm. and you got to delete all of that. And nobody and ever back sees and it. Nobody will ever see it. Yep. Other than you. And mm-hmm. you're going to hate what you see. Yep. And then you're going to judge yourself harshly. You're going to be, oh, you're just faking it. They're all going to figure it out. Nobody's going to like it. And then you're just back in the junk thoughts right go meditate and you're gonna say well i'm not gonna write a bad book right and then you come right back to it and you say all right i'm cleaning all of this out this is part of the process let's go let's do it and because you've done that because you've taken the time and you haven't half-assed it you feel better about yourself at the end of the day you really do it makes a huge difference and i really think that's the space where meaning exists it's a beautiful it's a beautiful way to put it i like that the space in which meaning exists yeah i like that i I really do i think finding meaning isn't about finding something it's just the process of building it really building you building you building anything yeah you know building anything that you truly think is worth your time right and not allowing the things that you know aren't worth your time to drag you down yeah i came across this really interesting train of thought with um how we speak to ourselves and the energy that we allow ourselves to accept from other people and i was dealing with a time in my life where i had to be very very protective of my own energy and the energy in which I surrounded myself. And instead of being a total bitch, which kind of came natural, 
unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. You could say that. Yeah, instead of being like, just shut the hell up and stop bitching. I can't take your negativity. Right. I would just, and I would say it out loud, I would say, I don't accept the energy you're putting off. And that might still sound real bitchy, which is probably like the hippie, yeah, it bless like your heart. Bitchy, honestly, um, it's very weird for me to think about it on, you know, energy levels, but... It does make sense on a self-respect level, though. Right. Uh, If you're just going to be letting people just give you shit all the time, basically, or if they're constantly just bringing this negativity towards you, you know, um, trying to put you on their level, if they're extremely just morose type people. Mm -hmm. um, Toxic. It's yeah, it's not good. No, it's if not. If you're if you're living in the way that they do or just spending so much time around them that it's it's just rubbing off on you. Mm-hmm. You start hearing the things that they say. You start you know, repeating those things back to yourself. It's very unhealthy. Yeah, it, it is. It can it can drag you down really bad. Yeah, and repeating them back to yourself is something that I I'm just fascinated with the way we speak to ourselves. It's hugely important. I love it. I love the dissecting that. Like when you change your inner dialogue, the obvious change that happens so quickly. It's yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. I mean, when I when I told myself I wasn't going to allow myself to keep just existing in a way that I knew was bad for me. Yeah. Um, I remember I kept telling myself to stop doing things that make you weaker. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a really um, negative way to put it though. But th- that's what I was doing. Yeah. Right. I was making myself stronger and I wasn't going to keep doing the things that I knew made me weaker. Right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I, you know, stopped living a completely sedentary life. I stopped wasting all my time watching just dumb TV, basically. Um, I stopped just, you know, bad behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? Eating eating stuff that I knew was going to make me feel bad. Right. Uh, Talking poorly to yourself. Talking poorly to myself. Yeah. Um, Making excuses for things that I knew were going to drag me down in the long run right when I decided not to do that um I had this weird thing where me as a perfectly healthy person well at least at least in the respect of I I didn't have a disease that was dragging me down yeah right I well you dealt with some mental health issues though with depression yeah you know I had a I had a nasty little touch of the depression there the typical you know, college. Yeah. Most, I mean, it's not like it was. No. Um, too bad. It was bad. I'm saying like, I don't want to paint you like a crazy person. No, yeah. You can paint me as accurately as you want. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Um, so let me get the big crazy paintbrush out. Yeah. I was, I was not mentally healthy at the time. Right. I do think if I had gone to a doctor, I probably would have 
gotten put onto anti, you know, some sort of an antidepressant maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm one of the lucky people who through changing my behavior, I was able to, you know, change my neurochemistry, I guess. Yeah. Right. Which absolutely works. Um, not for everyone. Some people really do. Some people need medicine for a while. Right? Yeah, they do. I think... Some. Sometimes. Some some sorts of medicines. I think that stuff is massively over-prescribed. I agree with you. Um, And I think a lot of people, once they get on it, they're afraid to get off of it. And It does create a uh, very... Like your security blanket. Yeah. It really is. It's a mental security blanket. Yeah. Some people, if they can get on it and they can change some things in their life... um, I've been on them for years before. Right. And it was really hard to come off a lot of them. Yeah. Like the, just getting it out of your system, coming off of them. And then the mental part of coming off of them as well and not having that, oh God, am I going to lose my mind now? Like, was this just keeping the cracks barely puttied together? Right. Yeah. I mean, my putty was melted. You know, yeah, literally, I really, I know the whole place was on fire. It didn't matter yeah, about the putty. I I had become, you know, basically just a puddle on the ground. Yeah. Um, but at some point, when I realized you're just not going to let yourself live like that anymore. Yeah. I just it changed everything in such a drastic way, and then, you know, by eating better, by exercising, by meditating. By telling myself you're going to have a better life, I mean it. It really changed everything, yeah. and it during that time the old sort of dreams that I had started looking more real again. Yeah, right. They stopped seeming like like a well, mirage off even, in the distance. Right. They yeah. stopped. They stopped seeming like you can't even get a lab job. Yeah. Um. You know how are you ever going to you know, cure some abstract disease, right? See, and with me, it was, you're always just going to get sick. How in the hell are you going to make any kind of change? Exactly. And so I took stock and was, okay, what can I do even while I'm still sick? You know, yeah. I can I can use the internet. I can use my platform. I can use my personality, my story. I got involved with different nonprofits and things like that. And you can find those temporary sources of meaning where you do good deeds you volunteer things like that um really easy this time of year real easy if you need just a little jump start in your motivation and in your journey you know reach out and do some kind of volunteer work right and it'll the holidays yeah yeah you know i mean there's all kinds of stuff well there's always that that stuff too yeah there is right um one really, really great thing uh, that I've seen, that I've done, is um, volunteering in a hospital, right? Yeah. You see so much. You see such a huge range of human perspectives and what people are going through. Oh, it's a total melting pot. I mean, everybody is there. Everybody's, Everybody's sick. There. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no... somebody from every walk of life that's in a hospital. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you go to a, a, a true public hospital. Right. Um, which is where I was. And they always need people. They do. Um, and, I mean, the one where I was, I was lucky enough 
uh, as a college student to get work with patients. Yeah. Right. I mean, there there are plenty of those things where, you know, someone will go in and maybe do paperwork, mm-hmm. um, which is also helpful. Look, yeah. If you can go in and do something as simple Anything as, fire, is. you know, filing papers so that, you know, the people who are doing more direct patient care. Yeah can have that off their shoulders so they can spend more time with their patients, you're doing something significant, even if it feels insignificant. Right. Um, You know, I was lucky enough. I mean, of course I was doing absolute grunt work, right? I was changing beds and, you know, helping lift people up. Yeah. But. The sturdy stuff. Yeah. But it was so rewarding. Right. It, It really changed the way I perceive things. So for some of our listeners that aren't physically capable of doing things like that, I want to give a few examples of some things I've done from the comfort of my sick bed. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, we did a campaign where we wrote and did artsy crafty cards and sent them to kids in the hospital. So it was, we couldn't physically go there, but you could actually do a little artsy craft thing and send. I've been parts of like doing book drives and things like that. And then there's always just being able to share another nonprofit's work. You know, if you're not able to physically do it, if you're not able to physically and go find a cause you're passionate about and just help raise awareness with them. I mean, and it can always, it could lead to something really beautiful. It did for me. <laughs> Honestly, I'd say productive hobbies are also very good. They really are. I've I'm, had a blast learning to do the things that I have in the last year. Yeah. Candles were a lot of fun. Candles, the dream catchers. The, oh, yeah. The dream catchers were a blast. Yeah. And, and then you were And I made those for sick kids. Send, send them to kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stuff like that, I think, is hugely important. Just something that causes you to be engaged. I really do think something as simple as that, right? Something as simple as just a productive hobby. Not something like... I mean, I get a lot of people enjoy playing video games. Yeah, right? and to some people that but is a productive hobby. Kind of. I mean, to some people... But for a lot of people, they just sort of fall in the hole of it. Yeah, they do. Right? If you get yourself a productive hobby... um just maybe making something humans have a desire to create it's just an innate thing at us you can even look back to the caveman and they had the paintings on the wall you know i mean there is just this undeniable instinct for humans to create something out outside of ourselves yeah i'd say so i think there's something uh you know to the extent that i might see things as sacred which is weird right it is i don't (laughs) it is i don't really i don't like to think about how far you've come young scientist (laughs) (laughs) um to the extent that i think things are sacred or activities may be sacred yeah i think the act of creating something it is is. absolutely uh, there's an exchange of energy there's an exchange of there's a transformation of your physical like your body your slow your breathing will slow right and steady you know your heart rate will steady more your lymphatic system your circulatory system like all of these things happen on a physiological level and then you factor in the mental emotional aspect of it where you're able to spend that time 
and clear your head and get through it. And it's a perfect time to add in meditation. I think so. I mean, I think simply through the, the act of maybe starting something new, right? Something that you've never done before, making something, and then getting better at it as time goes on. I think that's so good for you. It is. I think it, if you can't find greater purpose in something, you will find some amount of meaning in just making something better. You will. You don't have to, like we've said earlier, it doesn't, finding meaning is not this destination. It's not this idea that we've got in our head that we're going to be happy when this happens when we reach this point when we have this job this relationship amount of money in the bank whatever the part that you're truly happy and find meaning and purpose and in your life is that swing that in-between part right it's not finding it it's not a, it's not it's some not grail. finding it it it's stumbles upon you. you can hunt yeah it's making it yourself yeah it's right now i'm doing the thing that is giving me meaning yeah even if you know, like when I was working at a store after I got out of college because I couldn't find the type of job I wanted, right? That allowed me the time to see the world from the perspective of someone who is generally less privileged than I've been. Right. Right. It let me see the kind of struggle that people would have to go through. Yeah. Right. Because I was lucky even then. Mm-hmm. Right. I had family to lean back on that, you know, I, I wasn't even having to pay rent. Yeah. Right. I was barely making any money. And there's plenty of people in situations just like that, that are having to raise a kid. Right. On that kind of an hourly wage. Yeah. And I didn't see that then. Right. I was too I was too bogged down in my own sort of misery. Yeah, you the way you, I was talking to myself, the way I was thinking about it all. Yeah, you get like that. That's so I think that's almost human nature and you have to I'm not human nature. Yeah, it absolutely is. I don't I don't want to say it's human nature because I want to think our nature's better than that. No, I want to think have it's to more make our involved. Better than that. Yeah. And that's I mean it's sort of what we've been saying this whole time. It really is. The choice is up to you and nobody else. There's exactly. nobody else that can make this better for you other than you. There's no one coming in to save us. There's no one. There's no great daddy that's going to sit down and tell you, okay, look, daughter, look, son, this is what you need to do to get that good job, you know, and secure all those things. You have to do it yourself. Exactly. There's no. There's no other way. And when you're not getting exactly what you want, right, when you're ready for it, you can't just abandon all hope. No, you can't. There's plenty of people who, there was that other um, TED Talk we watched uh, with the lady who was, what was it? She worked for some magazine, right? Martha Stewart. Whatever it was, she she started out uh, doing some job that was so far below what she ever wanted, mm-hmm. right? And just because she found 
a way to make that meaningful for herself. She eventually grew up into having the the sort of job that she always wanted, yeah. right? The sort of thing that made her feel the the thing that she always thought would make her feel good about herself. She couldn't get it until she had already done that herself. So I think another pivotal point that's coming out of this is those aren't wasted days. They're not. That those times that you you feel like you've lost your you know your north north point where your compass is all cattywampus and going crazy those aren't lost days you're not just wandering in the wilderness you're discovering and learning more about yourself and the way that everything works and interacts with each other don't get stuck into that thinking that you're just wasting away because you're not you can choose to make it a more deep and meaningful experience by just choosing to make it a deep and meaningful experience we things mean what they mean because we put that weight on them you know there's not um a quantifiable thing to explain why uh say a kitten is more awe-inspiring than a cricket it's because we've attached that certain amount of weight to these objects. You can do that same thing with whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're doing, whatever you're capable of. You're allowed to assign the weight of meaning to that on both sides to make it worse and more depressing and dark or to give yourself strength and depth of character through it. I'd say that's a very important point coming from you specifically. Right. Because when you first started talking, I was like, yeah, but certainly there's the reality that some things are inherently heavier than others. Right. right? You getting sick, heavy, heavy. Right. But you choosing. I choose how much weight that has, though. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's. um. Yeah, that's the point you just came to. That I was about to argue against. <laughs> uh, you already arguing with me in my in your head before I get my thought out. Absolutely was great. Co host, sip of water. I wanted to spit it at you. Feel like we should high five across the table. <laughs> Look, good job though. Right. Yeah. I think that's extremely important. I think so too. Um, you have more power than you think you do. Exactly. So much more. And that's where your meaning is. Right. It is. And you decide where the meaning come from, comes from. Okay. Um, so go out there and make meaning. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on. I, I agree. All right. Well, I hope everyone's well. Well, I hope everyone's well. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm gonna just gonna I'm just gonna keep repeating words until uh, we finish. Then. All How right. about you not do something <laughs> that weird? <laughs> Okay. I would love to hear if anybody does the 52 small things challenge. I'd love to hear what people do. I would too. That would be really cool. I'll post all the links in the show notes for everybody. Right. Yeah. We've got a lot of YouTube videos and articles we read. Yeah. We're going to post all of our reference materials and all of that. So y'all can geek out a little further after the show. Right. We, we haven't referenced them very directly, but 
when we started looking into maybe the psychological roots of meaning and everything, um, there very quickly emerged this sort of central theme of you've got to generate it yourself. Right. And and that's what we experienced in our own lives. Absolutely. And felt like it was something that needed to be expressed. Okay. I felt like it at least. I agree. I can say it. <laughs> um, okay. Well, everybody I hope take everyone... care. Sit, sit, what? Take care. Take care. Yeah. We can make our like sign off. We're real awkward. We're just, it's already awkward. Yeah. No, I'm kind of <laughs> liking it. Okay. Everyone take care. Don't make it weird. It's already weird. You've been sitting here uh, practicing for a TED Talk for what seems like 10 minutes. It's already awkward. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of liking it. I think we've just about reached our time. I think we have. So, all right, everybody, go out there, get the information you need. We We have no information on said family. (laughs) We have no information on anything. We know nothing. Uh, We look forward to talking to you next time. See you next time, guys.